Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, if you have a Bible. Genesis chapter 1. And uh, if this is your first time here, welcome. My name's Nate. We're so happy that you're with us. If this is just uh, maybe your second time here, maybe last week was your first time, uh, we had Caden with us preaching from Calvary Albuquerque. It was so awesome. And uh, unfortunately, he's not your youth pastor. I know you're like, oh, man. Um, here I am. It's all right. It'll be good. Um, but uh, we're, we're happy that you're with us. And uh, we are kicking off a brand new series tonight. Um, we're calling it Milk and Honey. Someone say Milk and Honey. Don't stutter. Say Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey. And uh, we're going to talk about the substance and the sweetness of the Bible. That's kind of the goal in this series. The substance and the sweetness of the Bible. Now, that's borrowed language, milk and honey, that comes from uh, the book of Exodus, where uh, God delivers the nation of Israel, and we'll get to this story, uh, God delivers the nation of Israel out of bondage to the Egyptians into a land that he says is flowing with milk and honey. And it's this promise that God is going to bring them to, into a place, and he's going to satisfy their needs. And we're going to spend the, the next few months, really, looking at the overarching story of the Bible. What is all of this about, and is there one common story? Now, to put it just sort of bluntly and specifically, the whole Bible is about Jesus, Right? Like if you had a Sunday school answer, if you're like, the, the right answer is Jesus always in Sunday school, like that is the actual right answer in the story. If we were to ask you, like, what's the whole Bible about? What would you say? Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. In fact, Jesus says this. Look at, on the screen, John chapter 5. Jesus says this. You search the scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. He says, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. You're searching the scriptures thinking that it's the Bible that gives you life. And he says, actually, the Bible is going to point to me, Jesus, the source and supply of our whole life. The whole Bible, the whole story, all of life is about Jesus. The main character is Jesus. But the story of the Bible, it's really unique and interesting. And this is sort of how we're going to summarize the whole story of the Bible. And I think I've got this uh, on the screen uh, uh, it's sort of in three parts. The story is creation and commission. It's rebellion and redemption. And then recreation and commission. Okay? This is the story of the whole Bible. You want to know what's the Bible about? It's about creation and commission. We'll talk about that tonight. It's about rebellion and then redemption. And then it's about recreation and then commission again. And we're going to start where the biblical story begins, in the beginning. And I'm going to talk about this tonight, we're going to really just meet God. And that's sort of my message title tonight, meeting God. What is this story all about? Who is this character that we meet? Sound good? All right, and for the next however long, we'll get, we're going to try to get through the whole Bible in a couple of months. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about this big idea. All right, Genesis 1-1, this is probably a verse that we're familiar with. This is all we're going to cover tonight. Uh, Genesis 1-1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not only is this our text, but this is also going to work as our outline for this part of the story. So part one, point one, in the beginning. 
right? That's how the Bible starts. The Bible begins with a pretty, like, powerful opening. It's a strong opening. It's kind of like Star Wars reminiscent, isn't it? Like a long time ago in a galaxy far away. It's just like in the beginning and this story is going. Now the Bible is interesting and unique because the Bible offers no explanation for God. It starts at the beginning and in the beginning God is waiting, right? In the beginning, the beginning starts and God's already there. It's almost like it's almost like the story begins and God's like, okay, it's about time you showed up. Like in the beginning, there was God. And the Bible doesn't waste any of its time trying to convince us of the existence of God. It simply states that everything exists because of God. I'm going to say that again because that was strong. The Bible doesn't waste any time trying to convince us of the existence of God. It simply states that everything exists because of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible does, however, give us some evidences for God. Now, the Bible doesn't give us any explanation. It doesn't say, well, you know, like the beginning started, but God was, he was already there. And the reason he was already there is because of blah, 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 or because of something you can't quite comprehend. Because if you go back, our brain only can think linearly, right? We can only think timeline. And so we get to the beginning, the flashpoint, the start here. Okay, here's time begins. God's there. And then all of us go like, well, then where did he begin? Like, where's his source? What caused God? And that's the amazing thing about God. He is the uncaused cause. He just is. From the beginning, he is. He is the I am, the great I am. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's always been there. And the Bible gives no explanation to that. But the Bible does give us evidence for God. There's sort of three main evidences of the existence of God found in the Bible. The first thing is through creation. One of the evidences of God is through creation. Listen to what Psalm 19 says. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. This verse tells us that creation, the very earth we're standing upon, is an evidence to the existence of God. And just like a building points to a builder and a painting points to an artist, the heavens point to a creator. And so creation is one of the biblical evidences for God. The second that the Bible tells us is the Bible, is the word, (laughs) The second existence that we have for, or evidences for God is the word. The Bible is the written word of God. It is God's self-revelation. In other words, God doesn't allow people to define him or people to describe him or people to summarize him. He's revealed himself to us. Right? So Bible, God is not a figment of somebody's imagination, The Bible isn't some like collection of people brainstorming like, hey, we need to get people to believe in something. I got an idea. Let's call it God. All right, that'll convince a bunch of people. Like we'll trick them and they'll follow. No, no, no. The Bible is God's self-revelation of who he is. And so throughout the Bible and in the written word, we understand the character and the heart and the story of God. 
And although creation speaks, it's limited, and the word fills in the space. Because if, if, we were to, if God's only revelation to people of his existence was creation, it would be a very beautiful one, right? Like we see sunsets and we're like, wow, that's amazing. Or like maybe you've traveled and you've seen like a massive mountain or, or, or you've seen the Grand Canyon or you've seen something that just boggles the mind, right? And there's something about that that sort of stops you in your tracks and you're like, where in the world did this come from? Like, how is this? What, what is going on? And it is amazing testimony of God, but it's limited, right? It would have, we would have no way of knowing sin or, or the need of a savior or God's plan. So it's limited. The word of God fills in the space. The Bible also calls Jesus the word. And Jesus as the word in flesh reveals to us even clearer who God is. And so we have the word, meaning the written word, but then we also have the word, meaning the living word, the person of Jesus that reveals to us the character and the heart and the existence of God. And then the third thing we would say about sort of an evidence for God is what I would call personal revelation. Uh, Sort of the third evidence we see of God is people's personal encounters and experience with God. And listen, you can argue with a stat, you can't argue with a story. Right? Like if somebody comes up to you and be like, man, I, I got to tell you something. The other day I was doing this and then this happened. Hey, you, you can't be like, nuh uh. Like, what? I mean, you could. Like, and maybe your friend's a liar and you're like, I don't believe anything they say. But if it's a true story, you can't argue with the true story, right? You're like, that's, that's the story. And, and personal experience, personal revelation is when individuals encounter God and there's something about individuals that encounter God that their lives are changed that you can't argue with. Right? You can't argue with the testimony. You can't argue with somebody who was like this, met Jesus, and now they're like this. And part of the evidence of God, the proof of God, is in the fact that people's lives are changed by God. Are you hearing me? This is an evidence of God. So the Bible begins with the beginning, and yet God is there at the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning. And then the second part we see, point two, is that God created. In the beginning, We're told that God created. Now, in this verse, we're introduced to this character called God. Now, the word for God that's used here is the Hebrew word Elohim, and it's a title name for God. Um, It's not his personal name, right? This is not the name of God. This is the title for this, this being. Are you with me? So we are introduced to this character God, and all we know of him is that he's a creator, Right? If you're following the story, you open up the Bible for the very first time. Maybe you're an ancient Hebrew, and you, you, you get the book of Genesis, and you open it up, and you start reading, and it just begins, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And so we're introduced to this character God, and all we know of him is that he's a creator. There is this word, Elohim. This is the character that we are introduced to, and he's not, he's not a name. This isn't a name. We don't know who God is yet. All we know is that in the beginning, Elohim, a a God, created the heavens and the earth. And this is an important storyline as we follow the Bible. Because one of the things we have to realize when we look both at the Bible and to our life in general is, one, we're living a spiritual story, not just a physical story. Okay, so we, we like 
understand the physical. We see it. We can touch it. Like, we understand the physical. Um, but we have to understand when it comes to the story of the Bible, we're living in a spiritual story. But another thing we have to understand when it comes to the Bible is that we're not living a, uh, uh, let's call it a positional story or like a, a story of power. We are in a relational story, a story about a creator God that wants to have relationship with humanity. And this is an important framework as we move through the Bible because there's, we're going to get to parts of the Bible. Like, I promise you, I have chosen some very compelling stories in the Bible that probably are not taught in Sunday school because they're, they're, they're important as we move through the thread of the Bible. But one of the key things is, like this video talked about, is this idea of creator, Elohim, and then these other spiritual beings that exist. Again, pause for another time. But the important thing that we realize is, who is this character that we just met? Well, we don't know much about him at all, do we? Like, we understand, like, we understand that this is Yahweh because we sort of know the whole thing. The God of covenant love with the people of Israel. Like, that's this character that we're, we're meeting. But up until this point, all that we know is that this Elohim is creator. He was in the beginning, and he creates. That's what we know so far, right? You with me? Then the Bible then goes from there, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it begins to list his creation. He begins with light, then earth and sky that's separate from the waters, then lights specifically, and then finally animals and humans. One of the interesting things about the, the creation narrative is God turns the lights on first, and then he puts like the sun and the moon in the sky, so there's light, and then he gives it a source. God just is able to do things that we can't quite comprehend, right, because he's God. The Bible then presents this story. The Bible presents this, the creation story in seven days, and in six, day he, six days he creates, and then the seventh day he rests and reflects on the creation. Okay, that's the rest of Genesis chapter 1. And after everything that God creates, he calls it good, or that he is pleased with his creation. Everything that God creates is good. Listen to me. God is about life. God is about taking chaos and turning it into order and glory. God is about purpose and peace. We will see that humanity corrupts what God creates as good. But when it comes to God, when, we, when we're talking about the Bible and the God of the Bible, a lot of people ask why God would cause or allow bad things to happen. But what we find when we investigate God, that all good and perfect gifts come from him, and all the brokenness in the world actually comes from rebellion from God. Are you hearing me? And so from the very beginning, you just read Genesis 1, you don't go any farther. What you learn is that there is God, he is a creator God, and everything he creates is for life, and everything he creates is for good and for his glory. And one of the things we have to realize and, and, and to sort of put ourselves on the offense rather than the defense, because a lot of times people, you'll, come, you'll experience that, right? How could you believe in God? He does this. And you're like, hold on. God is about life. God is about good. God is about his glory. And from the very beginning, before we see anything else, we see that in the beginning there was God and God creates. Are you hearing me? 
And I think when it comes to that idea, don't you think that if God is the creator of all things, and that if wickedness and injustice grieves our heart, it hurts God's heart even more? If we are upset when we hear about some random injustice in the world, don't you think it upsets God because it's his creation? I think about that. We can get, we can get upset. We can, it can hurt our heart. We can be grieved when we hear about something happened to somebody that we have no clue about. Like we've never met this person. We've never been to that country. We've never done this thing. And yet it, it moves us, right? We hear about injustice and wickedness and crime and it breaks our heart. Don't you think that the God who created that person, that formed them in their mother's womb, that, br- that their very breath exists because of him, don't you think that that injustice and that crime and that brokenness actually grieves God's heart? And in fact, it tells us in the biblical narrative that it's that blood spilled on the ground and injustice and wickedness towards people actually has an audible sound to God. When Cain murders his brother Abel, again, we're sort of jumping ahead in the story, but when Cain murders his brother Abel, God literally says that the blood of Abel is crying out to me. The injustice in the world actually has an audible frequency to God. He tunes his ear to injustice because he cares, because God is about good, God is about glory, God is about life. Amen. All right, point number three. Point one was in the beginning, and there was God waiting. Point number two, God created. And the point number three, the heavens and the earth. Now, this phrase works in two ways. Are you guys with me? Is this making sense? Okay. This phrase works in two ways. One, it's a summary statement. It's a summary statement. And it's an order of creation. All right, so Genesis 1 is a summary. Basically, Genesis 1-1 is Genesis 1 through 2 in a sentence. Okay, it's basically what it says is in the beginning, God created everything. It it would be like saying sort of the English equivalent would be like in the beginning, God created from A to Z. Like the heavens and the earth is basically saying it's like a summary statement. It's everything. In the beginning, God created everything. John in the New Testament says it like this. John 1.1. I love this. It helps us, I think, see it clearly. It says in the beginning was the word. Now, the word that he's referring to is Jesus, is Christ. And the word was with God, and the word was God. That's important. Then it says this, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. A little redundant, isn't it? But it gets the point across, right? All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made That was made. In other words, that's what Genesis 1-1 is saying. In the beginning, God created everything. And nothing was made, uh, that was made, was made apart from him. Are you following me? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a summary statement. It's from A to Z. And because he made it, he gets to define it, he gets to direct it, and he gets to order it. But this heaven and the earth, not only does it speak of summary, but it also speaks of order. God first created the heavens and all things that exist in the heavens. In the verse, I told you, we're introduced to Elohim. uh, But we will see throughout the Bible that there are other Elohims. Okay, that's what the video talked about. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. 
But we're going to see as, as we move through the Bible that there's other Elohims. There's angels, there's demons, there's gods with a little g, and there's other spiritual beings. It's important that we know, notice the distinction. We recognize that there's a distinction, but we also recognize that they're all created beings by creator God. Right? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and everything that exists in the heavens. They're all created by the creator God. They have a realm and a dominion. And because God is a relational God, they have dominion in the heavenly realm. Again, we'll move, we'll get, we'll get to all of this. It's pretty interesting already, right? We're like, whoa, okay. This story is a little different. It's deeper than I thought. Okay, so God created the heavens and all the things in the heavens. Well, really, next week, just a spoiler alert, we're going to like do a deep dive into that. Talking about Lucifer and all those interesting things. Okay, God then, after created the heavens, he created the earth. This is where we come in. On the sixth day, God created all of the animals, and then after creating animals, he created humans separate from the animals. Okay, but on the sixth day, God created humans. Listen to what he says, Genesis 1, verse 26. Very interesting. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Just for the sake of bringing it up, for fun, because I'm actually ahead of time. Um, it's interesting, God says, let us make man in our image. Now, there's a, a, a few compelling thoughts about this. I'm not going to bring them all up. Um, one is that it's the Trinity talking to himself. Right? Like God is one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see that, we see primarily in the Old Testament, now don't lose me on this, but we see primarily in the Old Testament two persons of the triune God. We see God... Yahweh, who's in heaven, and then we also see the angel of Yahweh, who's uh, on earth, like physically. It's a, it's a person that they interact with. So even from the beginning, Jewish audience would have an understanding of a two-person, or a one-person, two-persons God. Now it's complex. The other sort of alt thought of this let us make man in our image is that he's actually speaking to the heavenly realm. That the first creation of God made in his image, in his likeness, not in the same way as mankind, but that there is a, there is a, a Elohim uh, council. Again, let me rewind. Um, whatever the case, he's saying, just like you're created in my image, let's create mankind in their image, or in, in, our, in my image, Yahweh's image, right? It's created in Yahweh's image. Just like the heavenly realm has dominion there, Humans, created in their image, are going to have dominion here. Okay, you with me? Did I lose you guys? Should I explain it again? Okay. Brianna's like, maybe should we talk after? Okay. That's not good. If we're leaving with question marks. Okay, so there's the heavenly realm. God created, we talked about that. Elohim's 
And there's, there's all sorts of different words that we're going to see in the Bible. Angels, Raphaim, Nephilim, uh, there all sorts of stuff, right? There's like, we're going to get into all of it. Um, Nate's like, or Shane's like, there it is. <laughs> Can't get away from it. Um, there's the heavenly realm. God created those beings in his image to have dominion over the heavenly realm, to do his deeds, to do what he's, that's why we see, he's, there's angel messengers, right? There's, uh, there's the angel messengers that look like people, right? Angels that look like people, they're, they're mistaken. The Bible says you could entertain angels and you would have no clue. Then there's like cherubim. These are like scary, freaky, big, two-headed, and like animal-like that, that guard Eden, like there's, I'm just telling, I'm like not making this stuff up. You guys are like, this guy's nuts. I'm just, all I'm doing is this, right? I'm just putting it on a plate, right? I'm just putting it on a plate for you to just, we're just looking at it right now. So there's all these beings. God created them to have dominion over the heavenly realm. And then he created man in his image, Yahweh's image, to have dominion over the earthly realm. Was that better, Brianna? Yes. Cool. All right, now, let's talk about why. We see God creates humanity, and from the very beginning, God gives a reason for his creation. A lot of people wonder why God created everything if he knew that they would rebel, right? Like, this is one of those, like, interesting thoughts when we're talking about an all-powerful being that is sovereign, meaning he knows the end from the beginning, why set the whole ball in motion if he knew that he was going to have to send his very own son to die to rescue the brokenness that humanity's caused? Wouldn't it have been easier for him to just hang out in this heavenly realm and not worry about humans? Like, like why set this whole thing in motion? It's, it's a very interesting question. But we see here very clearly the reason, and we even see, listen to me, that after the fall, after sin enters the world, the call, the purpose doesn't change, okay? God created from the very beginning and commissioned mankind. Remember I told you the story of the Bible from the beginning is creation, commission, rebellion, redemption, recreation, commission again. Okay, this is the story of the Bible. It's creation. God created the heavens and the earth, the humans, and he commissioned them. Let's talk about this. Created, number one, created. We're told that not only was humanity created, but they're specifically created in God's image. This is important. This means that we're created to know God and represent God. You're the breath in your lungs the reason you're here, the reason that in one in a gazillion chance that you are here, and I think it's even a bigger number than that, even though gazillion's not a real number, the statistics, when you look at it, for the, your existence, okay, the fact that the, your parents came together at the time that they did, and here you are, that statistic alone is like one, and I think it's like, it's just an astronomical number. So why? Why did you show up? Why are you here? Well, what, why not somebody else? God created you on purpose so that you would know him. Okay, you're here to know God and to represent God. And the Bible says that we're knit together in our mother's womb, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your life's not an accident. Your life is not meaningless. You're created on purpose, for a purpose, created by a heavenly father who loves you and wants to know you. 
And listen to me, part of being in the Imago Dei or the image of God is that every human has intrinsic value. Not based upon what we do, not based upon how we live, and not even based on how long you live. God creates man as his imagers on earth. Okay, that's why, that's why Christians are such advocates for pro-life when we're talking about like the abortion story and things like that. The reason is because we think even from conception, not based upon how long you live, not based upon what you do, you are stamped with the Imago Dei. That every human person, every life is made in the image of a creator. And so every life has value and purpose and meaning regardless of what they bring to the table. Right? What a pathetic life to say, once you prove yourself to me, then you're worth living. No, no, no. God says you are worth living before you do a thing. Before you breathe a breath, you have value. That's the biblical story. And God creates, listen, God creates man, humanity, as his imagers on earth to know him and to represent him, okay? So first, you're created, but then secondly, you're commissioned. From the beginning, we're commissioned. What does that mean? It means you're sent out on an assignment. That's the idea of commissioned. You're created, and then you're sent out with an assignment. From the beginning, we see that God places a call on human's life. In the verses we read, it says, be fruitful and multiply. It says, have dominion over the earth. And it says, name the animals, right? We'll see that in chapter two, or we won't look at it, but it's in chapter two. God assigns Adam to name the animals. And he's supposed to have dominion over the earth. Uh, basically, Adam from the beginning is supposed to use his head and his hands and to glorify God, right? Be creative, name the animals, use your hands. Literally, the idea is take the raw elements of the world and make it to bless and benefit humanity and glorify God. That's the, that's the assignment. Now, in chapter two, you guys still with me? I'm almost done. I'm going to call the worship team up here in like less than five minutes, all right? In chapter two, we're also introduced to Eden. You guys heard of the name that idea of Eden, the Garden of Eden, or the Garden of God. And this is where heaven and earth intersect, okay? The Garden of Eden, in, in the book of Genesis, is where the heavenly domain and the earthly domain intersect. This is where God would meet with humanity, that they would live together in relational harmony and perfection, in fact, the Bible even suggests that God would walk in the garden in the, in the cool of the day and that humanity would connect with God in this garden, in this perfection, and that they would have relational harmony there in the garden. The interesting thing about it is that the whole world was not Eden. Okay, this is an important thought to think about for a moment. God creates the whole earth. Everything in it, the ocean, the sky, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, the animals on the land, all of it. And then we're told that on the earth, in one location, God creates Eden. This is the touch point. This is where heaven and earth intersect and where there's relational harmony with God. And yet there's a commission from the beginning to basically make the whole earth Eden. Okay, Adam and Eve connect with God in the garden, but the whole earth isn't the garden. Are you with me? 
Only the garden is the garden. We know this because when they rebel, they get kicked out of the garden, and then a scary angel stands in front of it and says, you can't come back here. So there was a point where heaven and earth intersected. Adam and Eve were in relational harmony with God, and the commission from the very beginning was to go make the whole earth Eden. Bring this touch point, bring heaven to earth. Have dominion over the earth. God commissions humans to make the whole earth Eden. And from the very beginning, this is the point, from the very beginning, God gives humanity an identity and a calling to know God and take the beauty of the garden to the whole earth. This specific task will be lost, right? This, I mean, we're, that's not our call, right? We've never been to Eden. We don't know where it is. We also don't know where the Ark of the Covenant is. That's very suspicious, right? Like, what what happened? (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's a joke. I'm, like, not that weird. Um, This specific task will be lost. We know that. We're living in it. But the plans of God remain the same. Listen, rather than knowing God and take the beauty of the garden to the whole world, our call is to know God and bring the beauty of the gospel to the whole world. Right? Recreation, new creation in Christ Jesus, also commissioned again. Go into all the world and bring heaven to earth. Bring the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ to broken, sinful, out-of-control humanity. This is the source of life. This is what we need. We are recreated and commissioned in Jesus, made a new creation, forgiven of sins, adopted back into the family of God through faith in Jesus. We are then commissioned to go into all the world and share the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of heaven. From the beginning, what we learn about God, worship team, you can come up here, I'm done. What we learn about God is that in the beginning, he was there, (laughs) right? He's waiting. Life begins and God was. In the beginning, God, he then created because he's a creator God and everything he creates is good and perfect and brings him glory. And he created the heavens and the earth, the unseen and the seen, for us to have relationship with him and to participate with him That's the key about God. God's a relational God to participate with him in bringing his goodness and his kingdom to the earth. Okay, that's what we learn in Genesis chapter one, verse one. We haven't even got to verse two. We actually won't. Next week, we'll kind of jump around. Is it interesting? You're following along? The story makes sense? Okay, and the, the application for us tonight, I think is simple. One, you're created in the image of God. Before you ever did a thing, Before you ever lifted a finger or breathed a breath, God stamped his image on you. You are his imager, created by him. Why? To know him. So the question, we got to ask the question, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? Well, I've heard of him. I know about him. Maybe your idea of God is sort of like this Elohim idea of God. Or it's like, yeah, I know God in in like a title term. I've heard of God, but you don't know him personally. We're introduced to the person, to the Savior, to the one that we can know through faith in Jesus, the the very image of God made flesh, lived and died and lived again so that we might find life in him. That's the gospel, and we can know him personally and intimately. All of our wrongs can be made right. All of our guilt can be washed away. All of our shame can be rewritten into a new story that can be for his glory in our life. We can know him. 
The application is, do you know him? And then the second thing is you're commissioned. You're on assignment. You're sent out with an assignment. You're sent out so that you can be his imager on the earth and that you can bring his goodness and his glory to every person that you come in contact with. It means your family. That means your friends. That means your coworkers and your teammates. That means the strangers in the supermarket. That means that we represent God everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. Do you represent him? Our call is to simply be known by him, to know him, and to represent him.